You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. That's a, it's a podcast where we know things and... Or was it smoking? we know things? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow, we don't even know the tagline. That's pretty epic. <laughs> you can't do a catchphrase. You can't remember what the fucking catchphrase is. Dude, so with that... We missed one recording schedule, and it's like you've forgotten exactly what we do every couple much, of weeks. Pretty man. It's like, yeah, the fucking summer. So, what are we smoking this week, Brad? I uh, that part. So this week we are smoking the Tatawahe Anarchy Chaos 2020. Chaos reigns. That was pretty good. <laughs> Work on my metal voice. Uh, yes, the Tatawahe Chaos Anarchy. And like this is one of those that every once in a while we walk through the humidor and we're like, I don't know what that is, but it's got a cool band. You know, it's got the big red anarchy symbol. I'm like... I gotta smoke that shit just because of the name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and not to mention that, you know, folks may recognize the Tatawahe name from previous episodes, uh, you know, because they do the uh, the Monster series, and yeah. that's the horror-themed cigars that we try to get our hands on every Halloween. Yeah, so this is a, a veiny Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. <laughs> Important to re- reference that. Yeah, it's like, you know, they, they put in the description, you know, so you, you got to put the emphasis on veiny. I mean, it is a nice, dark, oily-looking bastard. Yeah. It has a Nic- Nicaraguan binder and filler as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, right off the bat, if you're a fan of uh, Ecuadorian Habano and Nicaraguan, um, it's going to be right up your alley. Uh, it just, you know... Woody, a little bit spicy. Um, I mean, we just lit, and I can already feel the cigar starting to creep up in strength. <laughs> yes. So um, it, Chaos it, is a good name. Yeah, absolutely. And not chaos because, oh, we don't know what we're doing. It's, it's chaos because it's blended in such a way to make the uh, connoisseur really appreciate the smoke. Mm, yes, yes. And, you know, if you're also... A- you know, kind of a metal fan and like that, you know, kind of iconery. You should pick up one of these boxes just for <laughs> just for collecting purposes because I said it's the black box with the big A on it. And I'm like, that, it catches your attention when you <laughs> walk in and see that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the, you know, boxes I like to have. The, the problem, this, like uh, most of your other Tatawahe cigars, um, you know, there's only 2,000 boxes that were made. Each box has 10 cigars, so availability isn't, you know, exactly going to be readily available. So if you want to try this cigar, go ahead, get your hands on it, get it ordered, visit your local brick and mortar, whatever you need to. Um, yeah, we pick these up at the cigar shop like like we normally do, but, yeah, there are some online retailers if you're not local that has them but you know it's one of those that probably won't be around forever so pick them up while you can no cigar is forever (laughs) unless it's a bad cigar then it's gonna sit there for years and years and years (laughs) i've got 20 years of plume (laughs) 
There's a bush growing out of that cigar. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, not really bush or anything, but one of the other striking features of this cigar is the fact that on the cap of the cigar, it looks like it's got a little little hat. The way yeah, that they like, did it. it. It's very unique. I haven't seen that done on any other cigar because it's not quite what I would call a pigtail. Yeah, it's like, you know, like almost like the crystals have that little pigtail, but this one's like kind of like tightly wrapped around the cigar where it almost gives it like a little, it's almost like kind of like a weird like coil of rope or turban tip on the thing. It's, it's I would just love to see the manufacturing process on how that's made. Like, yeah, it's definitely one I'd like to see in like a, a, ro- a rolling video. Like, I mean, it always impresses me just watching people, you know, make traditional, you know, shaped cigars and stuff like that. Like, you see the intricacies and things of that nature. It's like, how is that pulled off? Like, yeah, kind of like the Amazon basins with all those little, little dreadlocks around them. It's like that, just that little extra crafting that goes into something that's eventually going to be let on fire. <laughs> it's like, it's like that little that you know you can't get that from a machine made product. It's like yeah, that that hand rolling expertise that just adds that extra level of art to cigar making. Absolutely. And that's why, uh, you know, I really appreciate this industry. Industry. So, I guess with no further ado, what what are we talking about this week, Joe? So, we're going to be talking about yet another Netflix original, because they are the only ones producing original content right now. <laughs> so, we're talking about The Old Guard, uh, the latest action movie on Netflix, uh, based off another comic book that didn't know about until <laughs> they made a movie out of it. Gotta get back into reading the comics because like they're making some good movies based on on some kind of you know I, I don't want to say obscure but you know kind of smaller independent comics that I've not actually. You know, it's like you know if you're a casual comic books fan, if it ain't Marvel or DC, you haven't heard of it. And <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff out there that might not be from one of the big two uh, manufacturers. So you know if and. If you're going to cause a little anarchy, you should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. Give you enough energy to go out fighting evil for the next 6,000 years. Spoiler. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And with that, we're going to talk about something that's really difficult to talk about without giving anything away. So um, I'm going to go ahead and preface spoiler alert, alert now. Like, yeah, we're going to spoil that shit. We were born alone, and we die alone. What a way to go. Now I'm on my own, but I'm Myself back up from the underground. Oh. I've died a few times before. I know what it's like when I can't see the light. I find a light of my own. Shine like a diamond. Like a lonely diamond. We were born alone. And we died alone. 
and welcome back. Recorded in front of a not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I mean, technically, I'm a live person and in the audience. See, people make fun of us for laughing at our own jokes. We need like an old school like sitcom laugh track. We need to hit a button that way we're not laughing at our own jokes. <laughs> this one time, I t- said we were going to buy a you know soundboard so we could just cue that stuff up and. We ended up having too much fun playing with it, then yeah, completely forget like, what we're talking about. I mean, most of the time, our conversations off-air are better than the ones when we actually record, so, I mean, <laughs> there's that. So one day we're just going to like start talking, just have the mics going on, and then try to edit that down to an hour segment. <laughs> just be like, just a bunch of random bullshit. Um, you're saying that's not every episode. True enough. Yep. Like, we always have a topic, but then we tend to try to... St- Stray away from it for some reason. Because <laughs> we've all got ADHD. <laughs> I don't know if I have that or not. It's undiagnosed. So this week we're talking about the old guard. This is one of those like Netflix movies that kind of snuck up on me. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, hadn't seen a whole lot about it until it just until it almost like me came out. And was like, hey, here's something new to watch. I'm I'm certainly like you, and the fact that some of these. Lesser known or lesser known to me anyway, um, comics spawn these really cool Netflix movies. And then I'm like, hey, that was a really cool show. I want to go and check out the comic now. Yeah. It's like if, you know, if you're a fan of the comic and they're like, hey, they're finally making a live action movie of this, you know. Or if you're like, that movie was cool. Oh, it's based on a book, a comic or whatever. You know, it gives you something else to, to go check out. Uh, this was directed yeah, but by... then you get hated on because you didn't know the source before watching the film. <laughs> yeah, then you're like, freaking hipsters. Oh, I, I, I was into Old Guard before. It was cool. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood, uh, starring Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, Marwan Kenzari, Luca Mananelli, Henry Melling, a bunch of other people. <laughs> Had a hard time not seeing On the Fury Road. Yes. You know, old uh, Charlize Theron uh, Furiosa. On the Fury Road. I just said that. Yeah, but I but I had to say it in the accent. <laughs> it makes it sound cooler. I mean, your name is Joe. I guess you can be a Morton. <laughs> Holy shit, are you an old uh, guard? <laughs> Whoa. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm starting to get some gray in my beard. <laughs> I'm going to be an I old don't know, guard. I don't know. You know, before we get into the story or anything else of the old guard, I just got to say that I I thought it was a really cool concept how they have access to modern weaponry, but they all find their way back to their medieval roots. Yeah, before they even kind of introduce the premise of the movie, it it kind of, and, and before I even talk about that, we kind of had, when we're talking about it off air, really the only place you're getting original content is Netflix and Amazon now, you know, and some of the other streaming services. It's like, it's like the stuff that was, we we're like all the theaters being closed. Aren't that big of a deal because most of the shit that was coming out was just remakes and reboots. You know, everything so far that we've seen on either Amazon, Netflix, or uh, one of the other Disney is like an original idea, like something we haven't seen before. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, 
You know, I, uh, when it comes to doing a theatrical release, you know, with the competition and everything, I kind of feel like everything gets lumped together. Like, you have to have a certain model, you know, to compete in Hollywood theatrics anyway. Whereas, or especially if something comes out, it's good, then there's going to be, like, the ne- for the next five years, they're going to be the again, same like, that shit. They're trying to recapture what... So many of your Hollywood blockbusters going back and it's not so much of I'm expecting this to be a really good film. It's more so, hey, who has the biggest budget to get the, you know, most famous name at the top of the the movie poster? And then people will be like, oh, I really like that guy or I like that girl or I like that whatever they identify as. See what I did there? And... Hey, here's the fifth rock movie of the year. Let's go see this. <laughs> I know who that is. Okay, but at the same time, name a bad rock movie. Like True enough. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, as cliche as it is, it's... Did that Jungle Book, not Jungle Book, a Jumanji? Jungle Cruise movie ever come out? I, Jungle Cruise? I, I don't know. I've never seen a trailer so. for that. I never saw it. I don't know if it was one of those that got released before everything shut down or it just never came out. Blame COVID. Yeah. That's pretty much the answer to everything. But yeah, that's the only movie I can say is a bad rock movie because I haven't seen it. Once I see it, it might not be a bad rock movie. <laughs> uh, let's see here. looks like it uh, July 24th. So it definitely didn't come out. <laughs> um... Looks like it is now scheduled to be released on July 30th, 2021. All right, so take that back. I don't know of a bad rock movie because that one's not come out yet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering, we've seen this with several other movie announcements and everything else in the COVID era. At some point, did they say, we don't know when we can do a release, so we're just going to go straight to streaming. Yeah, because there's been a few... Uh, which I don't remember if we talked about it last time or not, but yeah, Bill and Ted's kind of made that decision where they're finally like, we're tired of delaying it. We're just going to go ahead and let y'all download it. So it's like, there's yeah. at what point did like, cause there's gotta be a ton of movies in the bank that there's at one point they're like, all right, we're, we're going to forego. The remember when people were getting sued for millions and millions of dollars for piracy, for downloading <laughs> stuff pre COVID. Yeah. I remember <laughs> now they're like, all right, we can't get your $20 in the theaters. Give us your $20 online. And we'll let you have this. <laughs> like, I'm almost surprised when it comes to the big blockbuster films that would have released in theater. I'm almost surprised there isn't an AMC streaming app or something exclusive for the blockbuster releases. Yeah, because the, I mean, the theaters not, are... Not, and I'm, I'm probably going to kick myself for putting that in the universe because some guru out there is going to be like that's a brilliant idea in addition to all of your other streaming <laughs> services if you want the triple a hollywood title you got to pay additional yeah because i mean all your your uh theater I mean, theaters are now fighting with hollywood like oh no y'all can't release it straight to video because we need our couple weeks theatrical and they've kind of negotiated down we're like all right we just get it for two weeks now before y'all can release it yeah yeah why not like all right you can get it the day it was supposed to been released and watch it through the AMC universal, whatever theater company's website. And then it goes on to regular video and streaming, you know, 
a few weeks later. I mean, if we're still stuck with no theaters, that might be <laughs> one way to save the old model. I, but then again, does the old model really need to be saved? Like, and and the longer this draws out, the less I really miss it. To be I mean, honest with you, I mean, to I was already paying fifty dollars for overpriced popcorn and shit when I can watch it at home. I mean, there are certain movies like a like a Star Wars or something like that that my home theater system can't stack up to an eighteen foot screen with Dolby Digital or freaking IMAX surround sound. Something like a big spectacle movie, I still kind of want to see at least once on that giant screen. But most stuff, I don't care. I'll watch it in the shed smoking a cigar. But then again, I've watched a lot of new action movies on Netflix that I was just as entertained watching them here I mean, on, to, on the TV at the house. To be honest, I, I almost like being at the house more because I don't have to worry about, oh, you know... I can the, pause something I need to take a well, piss. <laughs> not only that, but then, you know, if there's going to be any distractions or anything else, it's going to be my doing. It's not going to be the people surrounding me that I have no control over. <laughs> or, you know, like... I smell my own farts, not the farts from the guy the next <laughs> next line over. Be like, Snapchat, hashtag, like, <laughs> what are you even doing here if you're not going to fucking watch the movie? Like, I don't or know. The, like... I, I I guess at this point, like we're officially old because I know when we were teenagers, we went to the theater for any other reason than to see movies. That's where you went to make out before you had cars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, the old guard. Um, <laughs> tangent. Yeah, like we talk about their the swords and shit. Yeah, because you know, yeah, if you've not seen the movie, like so, he's going to spoilers. It's about a team of immortals that spend their immortality doing random good, but they're not philanthropists. They're old warriors, so they try to use their militaristic skills as warriors for good and just take missions they think will have some kind of positive impact positive on the impact. Humanity. But before they even introduce the fact that they're immortal, you just see them, uh, former CIA guy Copley, they're basically like the A-team. It's like, <laughs> if you can find them, and you can afford them, you maybe you can hire the Immortal A-Team. So before they even say anything about the whole Immortal thing, they, he's hiring them to rescue a supposedly some children that were kidna- kidnapped in like South Sudan or whatever. So you see them going into battle like all like mercenary tacked out with like cool guy guns and armor and stuff, but then they're all carrying like old ass swords and like medieval weaponry, and you're like, that's freaking weird and then you see them oh they just got lit up and they're immortal so it's like once you get the backstory like oh yeah we're thousands of years old it's like you know like they've picked up skills from like a lifetime of war fighting so like all right we you know we take care we we use the brand new technology that's available to us but my fucking battle axe doesn't jam or run out of ammo, so if the shit gets real bad, I still know how to use this thing. <laughs> and, I mean, I thought it was a very cool concept, because the immortality doesn't last forever. You know, it's almost like a temporary invincibility, yeah, but you know. don't know when that time is going to, you know, run out. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting to see... Like the bickering of the team, or like they'd just be like, "Ah, 
I'll go ahead and kill you. And, you know, it was almost like an inside joke where it'd be like, oh, I'm going to delay the regeneration just to make them think, you know, <laughs> shit went bad. Uh, yeah, and it's like, you know, you know, apparently when they die, they kind of dream of the other immortals until they're, until they're back together. So it's like some, something in this mystical power that they don't know why it's there or how they got it. That just happened one day, like thinks they all should be together as a weird immortal family. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that was the other thing that this did that I thought was rather unique is, you know, if you have friends or you have family, those people are going to be like, you're, you're, you're not aging. You're not suffering disease. You're not, you know, having the, negative impacts that comes with you know becoming elderly and so if you have that why don't you share it with me and you know then that turns to animosity and stuff so i uh, you know there were definitely some yeah the tagline of the movie is forever is harder than it looks yeah and that's and yeah they and we're kind of talking out of some things out of order but they meet a new immortal uh a former or a marine who's injured in Afghanistan and then miraculously heals. But when she meets the team and they're kind of giving her a backstory, you know, she's like, well, I have family still and people who love me. And Booker, uh, who's uh, the youngest of the group, you know, he's only a couple hundred years old. He's like, no, you, you should just let, for their sake and your sake, you should walk away because you're going to, get old or they're going to get old and you're not and they're going to resent you for it and he tells her about he's like my i had three sons and the oldest one was like 40 when he or the youngest one would die when he was 40 of like cancer and he at the end he begged me to like you know share my immortality and i i couldn't and he freaking hated me for it and it's like that's something you don't want to trust my experience you don't want to live through that it's better to kind of like you know pull the band-aid off quick and let them think you're dead and mourn your loss and move on with their lives. It's going to be a lot easier on both of you in the, in the long run. So, uh, you know, that was some depth that I thought was rather interesting. You know, I, I've been trying to go into these different series and stuff as blindly as possible, just for, you know, to try to experience it organically. And, you know, once I realized the immediate, like, I get it, you know, they're mercenaries and they're superheroes and they have this special gift, but it almost seems, it's not like, oh, we're just going to go through and steamroll every opposition, you know, out there. Yeah, and it's not like, <laughs> oh, you know, a, a purse got stolen, so let's immediately jump in and interfere, you know, because we know no harm can come to us. It's like, you know, we're trying to do the type of stuff... They're that to alters, have... you know, the course of human history to try to save, you know, humans from doing stupid shit. Yeah, and, you know, Charlize Theron's character, Andy, or Andromache of Scythia, who is the oldest, they call her the boss, you know, because she's like something like 6,000 years old. Like, she's like, even she's like, I don't remember how old I am at this point. I've, I've been around forever. But yeah, they, they don't just kind of do the Avengers thing and try to police the world like no we look for specific missions that we think is going to have a global impact and also the rule is we you know to kind of preserve our identity so no one's around us long enough to 
to uh, realize we're immortal. We we don't work for the same people twice. You know, if we do a job for this group, like that's it. You you've got your one <laughs> your one uh, you know uh, your one favor, and they kind of violated that when when uh, Copley Copley reached, like, out. reached out because they had done a job for him when he worked for the CIA. And she's like, you know the rules. We only work for them again. He's like, yeah, but it's children, and I think we can really do some good here. And they go to meet with Copley, and, and the first he's like, he's like, Booker, you haven't like, doesn't look like you've aged today. He's like, ah, I age on the inside. <laughs> Just kind of jokes it off. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you set the rule, you got to follow your rules, and they broke the rule, and. <laughs> paid the consequences we got a really badass film and <laughs> hopefully i'm going to be introduced to a really badass comic um because i'm absolutely going to check that out yeah and like like you said the they know as they explain later on that we never know when the immortality is going to run out but it could you know it happened to one of our you know one of the guys back in the day that it just you just stop healing someday so they still have to be good at what they do because they never know if yes. this death is going to be the permanent one. So they still have to be, so yeah, they're still wearing body armor and, and you know, using like sound tactics until they get, you know, ambushed by some, you know, it turns out the whole mission's a setup because Copley, his wife died and he had found out about Andy and her team. So he had kind of researched their entire history and, and basically, sold them out to a pharmaceutical company. He's like, well, maybe if they can somehow figure out how they heal and reproduce that, it's a drug that could save all of humanity where turns out the pharmaceutical company as, you know, as kind of evidence from most of history is just a bunch of greedy assholes <laughs> and they're wanting Imagine to pull a profit. that. They're not doing it out of the out of the good of their hearts. They're like, oh, this can make us a lot of freaking money if we like, you know, patent uh, immortality. But you know, that was kind of cliche, though. Cliche CEO disguise, you know, trying to do something good for pure profit. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, this is going to be benefit humanity. It's going to benefit my wallet too, motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it, and and I mean that was kind of the crazy thing, like. I mean, they did a really good job, like, you know, with him, it's like, oh, yeah, you know he's the adversary, because at no point did they try to make him likable. Like, every every moment, just like, this guy is a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like an asshole version of, actually kind of remind me of fucking Zuckerberg. <laughs> it's like, he's like, you know, he's like a, like a, a kind of a young, nerdy socially awkward guy but he's also like fucking greedy evil asshole so it's like it's like a darker well a darker version of zuckerberg <laughs> but who knows what zuckerberg does in the dark yeah he may have his own mercenary army that we don't know about <laughs> he's like i'm gonna ban you for facebook in real life pop pop <laughs> fucking yo mercenary show but adore we heard you talking shit about zuck <laughs> like oh fuck like, wouldn't it be crazy if there's literally, like, a team like that? But, like, they literally show up with hammers, you know, destroyed. I mean, like, you've been ban-hammered. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like that movie, uh, what was it? No, it wasn't The Net. I can't remember, but it was about, it was, 
almost like the main bad guy was almost like an evil version of uh, Bill Gates, where he like owned a computer company that you know there was some kind of software that was going to like control everything. Yeah, he, dude, they, it was called Terminators. No, it was, <laughs> but it had uh, Ryan Philippi in it, and uh, yeah, but it, it kind of like I said, it's like that guy was the evil Bill Gates. This is kind of like the evil Zuckerberg, <laughs> except for medicine instead of social media. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, the the social media wasn't far behind. But, you know, I mean... But yeah, like you said, these people have been around forever, and apparently living that long is kind of hard on you. And especially Andy, she's getting to that point where she's like... Yeah, they're... Kind of like when you're in the thing, you can't see... It's too big, you can't see if what you're doing actually accomplishes anything. And you see her, like, watching the news, and it's talking about you know, civil wars and freaking genocide. So she's like, or is anything we're doing matter anymore? Cause it seems like the world's getting worse and worse. Like what's the point of, you know, being warriors for good when it doesn't look like, you know, what we're doing is a drop in the bucket. And she's kind of getting like, she's at 6,000. She's like, I'm getting too old for the shit rigs. But I thought that did a really good job in that aspect of, you know, at at some point, you have people with a special gift trying to save humanity from humanity. Yeah. Like, yeah. And when they get betrayed and ambushed, he's like, I'm done. Fuck them. Like, I, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And then they get the dream that there's a new immortal. So she's like, fine, fuck. Y'all go to the safe house. I'll go pick up the new girl. And the interaction of Nikki, because, like, all these people came from war. Like, I don't know who the hell Charlize was fighting back in the day, because she's so, but, you know, uh, friggin' Booker was a French soldier uh, with uh, with uh, Napoleon, and the other two, uh, Joe and Nikki, were crusaders on opposite sides of the war. <laughs> so it's like everyone who has become immortal has come from a warrior background and died in battle, and it's kind of... They, and they got the, the modern version was touch. the mar- Marines in Afghanistan. So, uh, Niley Freeman, uh, gets, uh, stabbed in the neck, uh, trying to take down a terrorist and, well, I and, mean, technically she took down the well, terrorist, she took down, but she did a bad job of patting him down and <laughs> he trolled over and sliced her throat. I mean, I guess when they say, Hey, we want the target alive. I, I think before you do medical care, make sure that, you know. Terrorist asshole isn't doing terrorist asshole things and got a second ploy. <laughs> uh, you know, I like, and I like too because she's they they go in there to, and she's like a squad of all women and they're talking to a house of women. She's like, and and she's like, there's no uh, whoever turns like there's no no dishonor if you tell we're looking for this guy here. You know, is there any men here? And and uh, the old lady in the group is like, no, there's there's no men here. Uh, People who hide behind women are no men. <laughs> and kind of like points toward the door, like, "All right, we got you." <laughs> I was like, I thought that was that was a cool line. Uh, but yeah, like she, of course, wakes up in the hospital, uh, and everyone's freaked out. And of course, the you know the army's like, "Oh, we're gonna send you to Germany for further testing." And like, and Andy has to show up and basically kidnap her before the government decides that she needs to be. A lab rat and trying to figure out how the hell she miraculously healed. 
But I thought it was funny too when she's like, yeah, knocks her out, throws her in the Hummer, and takes off across the desert. And she just like wakes up and tries to escape. She just gets out of the car and shoots her in the head. Just like she's immortal now, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about you know chasing her down. I'm just gonna shoot her and then throw her back in the truck. And then like she's standing there, she's like, damn it, it takes so long for him to regenerate the first time. <laughs> it's, it's like I've been doing this so long. It's like forget how long this shit takes. I have to fucking wait on her to like come back to life. <laughs> Hurry up, rookie. But I, I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool because you know i don't you know you would expect the bodies to look different or something you know because they don't shape shift they don't you know like oh this you know body is a just a vessel and my spirit needs to go into a new host or anything of that nature so it's kind of interesting to see like how not medieval and stuff they looked you know because you think medieval time but i mean i guess then you can cut your hair you can shave that sort of thing yeah but... you kind of change with the times i guess they look like cool ass operators they just still have their old school swords oh <laughs> uh, but kind of remind me like the highlander in a way the way like so where they yeah or even wolverine the way they the the special effects of how their healing works they i mean they get shot, they get blown up, and then they get fucked up pretty bad, and then just, you know, And they feel all of the pain of that, too, oh, yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting. Because, like, like, you know, I said the new girl's still learning. At one point, they're hiding out in a cave and got a campfire going. She sticks her hand in the campfire. She's like, oh, fuck. And he's like, yeah, just because you heal doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie immortals. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you got to learn how to use your um, immortality. <laughs> Oh, hey guys, I heal now. Yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> and I like the... Uh, Which, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's uh, that's kind of got to be interesting. Like, I don't know. I almost... It's like at that point you're a life coach. Because it's like, you've already had all those experiences <laughs> and dealt with all it. And now it's like, I haven't had to do this in like 400 years. And now i got to explain to somebody brand new, like... Welcome to the club. These are the things that you can and can't do. We have a special set of rules, and <laughs> yeah, and, I, and she even says, like, she's like, I, I, I think, I, I think you came along now to show me, to remind me what it's like to be new. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like it's been so. I guess long it's easy since... to take that for granted. Yeah, it's like the yeah you know, the the new experiences, and I like the fight scene on the plane when like when she finally like you. Know, Hey, you're immortal. If you want to know what's going on, you got to come with me. I'll explain everything. And they get her on a drug plane to like smuggle her out. And she's like, "Oh, you're hanging out with drug dealers." He's like, "She's like, hey, you live as long as I have. Sometimes you got to deal with you know less assholes to deal with bigger assholes." <laughs> and like you know, forget uh, that uh, you know she takes a nap and like you know she ties her up. She's like, "All right, we're turning the plane around." And she's like, you're not going to shoot him. Why? He's like, and she says something in Russian. He's like, because I'm going to shoot him. And like, she's like, and she's like, what the fuck? She's like, hey, we're immortal. Plane crashes. Like, might as well enjoy the ride. <laughs> I mean, that's like, how can you hold like threatening immortal? It's like, I don't care if the plane crashes. I'll go find another plane. <laughs> and, and then like, uh, she's like, well, all right, well, like I, I can fly a plane on time. I'll, I'll fly it. So we don't have to go through the crash. Then she's like, she's on time, and she's like, I guess you don't speak Russian. Why? Because I told him to play dead, and the pilot stands back up like, ha ha. 
<laughs> and like pretty badass like hand to hand combat yeah because she because she like she's been stabbed once she's been shot in the head she's like no this is all bullshit you drugged me or something there's no way you shot me in the head so she has to fight her and like ends up just snapping her leg with the freaking bone sticking out and then she's like hey look your leg's healing this is real i'm not bullshitting you and she's finally like oh fuck i really do have like superpowers now what the fuck <laughs> It's like, she's a slow learner. She's like, it takes a long time for her. Well, she's like, I mean, dude. She's like, all right, this, I mean, it's such an unbelievable thing that she has to see it a couple times before she's like, okay, this is not a fever dream. I mean, could you imagine? You suffer some mortal wound and you come back without a scratch and, I mean, not only. Uh, I mean, a certain part you got to be like, I died and this is just the afterlife. And like, you know, like I, I'm dead and this is just some kind of like. You know, I'm laying on a everything a li- a, really a was a hologram. <laughs> yeah, it is the Matrix. Red pill or blue pill? Which one has the acid in it? <laughs> the green pill. <laughs> Take the green pill, man. Oh, if you were immortal, but you didn't have like you're like didn't want the responsibility of saving the world. Like, could you imagine? You could do all the drugs you want. You would never OD. And if you did, you would just wake up the next day with a hangover. You would just be Loki. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, because at that point, you know, all you are is literally just a trickster. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was the other thing, I'm too. Like, I'm going to do so much cocaine. <laughs> like David Lee Roth, but immortal. <laughs> Betty White? <laughs> Shouldn't even put that name in the universe. <laughs> yeah. Betty Life. Betty Wife. Ah, fuck. Betty White. She's definitely immortal. You hear me, COVID? Stay the fuck away from her. <laughs> there is no COVID. Only Zool. <laughs> and then we have the other two members of the team, Joe and Nikki, which their backstory is hilarious, too, because they were... Nikki was a... Italian crusader Joe or Yusef as his original name was was a Muslim on the other side of the crusades and they're like yeah we met when they're kind of all introduced like yeah we met in the crusades we were on opposite sides we killed each other a lot and then we eventually fell in love (laughs) which that is love you meet that one person that most days you want to kill but you can't live without him so you don't (laughs) I mean my life gets threatened on a daily basis by my wife but she hasn't killed me yet that's love (laughs) Are you immortal? <laughs> Maybe she has been killing me and I just hasn't noticed. <laughs> That's why I never see the bruises or the anything else. I'm like... She's been poisoning my coffee every morning and I'm just immortal so I don't notice. I'm like, mm, what is this, uh, this flavoring? <laughs> it's arsenic, motherfucker. Hurry up and die. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to come back in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I heard, too, like the... And they have that moment when they get... Uh, <laughs> The bad guys uh, show up at the French safe house and and kidnap Joe and Nikki, and they had that thing where you know Joe wakes up first and Nikki's still like unconscious. He's like he's like you know trying to check on him, and the in the freaking SWAT guys that have captured him's like, oh, you worried about your boyfriend? And he gives that whole speech like, my boyfriend, motherfucker, like like I've been in love with this guy for the last three thousand years. He is like my life, my reason for being. There is like like it's a concept too big for you monkeys to understand. And I heard like the writer of the comic book when he, 
sold the rights to this being made in the movie, like I guess that's something from the comic book. He's like, I don't want y'all to Hollywoodize and screw up the story of Joe and Nikki, so you have to include this scene in the move in the theatrical version. If you're gonna, if I'm gonna give you the rights to do my story, I don't want you fucking that up. <laughs> and and that you know, we were kind of talking, you know, at the cigar shop about this a little bit too. How you know, in in today's politically correct climate and everything of that nature, how oftentimes things are just shoved down your throat left and right, and you know, like and most times their they- story actually felt organic. Yes. Like, it actually felt genuine. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to work this thing in there just to, you know, make this group of people happy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times it looks like something's, like, shoehorned in and has no organic connection to the story where their their kind of love and partnership was intricate to, like, the plot and fit into the story. And it never felt like something that was just shoved in there, you know, for, you know, because some writer was like, I want to do some... Oh, I want to put a message out there. Yeah. You know? Like, (laughs) great, you know, include your message, but at the same time, like, make it actually... Like, don't make it feel like a fucking campaign ad that everybody's already desensitized (laughs) to. And those two, their, like, relationship, too, was, was, like, hilarious. You know, like I said, when when they say that to those, you know, talk shit to those, uh, their captors... And when they get to like the place where they're going to be dropped off, they open the armored truck and they've kicked the shit out of everybody, and they're still in their chains. Like, hey, you, you wouldn't guys mind wouldn't like mind taking the chains off now, huh? <laughs> and they're like, huh, I guess not. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, they're like total badass dudes. <laughs> no, I, I like the fact too. Shortly after that, where they actually get introduced to the CEO, and the CEO's like, you know, oh, you're the ones, and guys, you know, remove the cuffs, and it's like, no, that's not a good idea, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like, no, even with the cuffs, they already kicked the shit out of, like, half our men, and, like, you probably want to do that. And then he's, you know, headbutts him in the face. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, these guys aren't aren't friendly. And, 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 you know, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm just here to help humanity. I want to uh, do good for the world. And, and they're like, no, you're full of shit. And he, like, stabs the shit out of him. He's like, I, I saw the video, but I gotta see this myself. And then it's like, Oh no, like we're going to lock these people away forever because I don't want my competitors getting a patent on the immortality drug before I do. So we're going to keep them as long as it takes for me to get what I want. And Oh, you are the, the fucking evil asshole. Cause it, you know, Copley for his, he actually believes they're going to do good. Like he's, you know, he's doing bad shit. Well, but to I mean, him, I, he I, thinks I it's think warranted. he's still in that state of grief where, you know, Unfortunately, he was manipulated into, you know, this circumstance, and I don't know. Then again, like, if you've sent people on a mission and they've carried out the deed and everything else, like, if somebody tries to get a hold of them or whatever, like, do you still sell them out at that point? You know? I mean, that that was my only thing about his character is... Yeah, he has a moment of redemption, but at the same time, like, why would you fucking put people through that, you know? And unless yeah. the grief is just, but it's like that doesn't bring your wife back. No, because I mean, his whole thing is like, you know, he's 
he want he doesn't want anyone else to die, and he thinks by helping Merrick Chemicals that he can do that. And then you know, after they capture Joe and Nikki, he's there like, no, we need the whole team. And eventually, uh, Andy and Booker track him. But down. do you really need the whole team? Not really. He just wants. Well, I mean, that's I what guess... he tries to explain. But really, he's like. No, I don't want someone else finding them. This is a way for me them. to lock away to keep my competitors, yeah. so it goes back to the money grab. Pretty much. But, you know, he, he's still kind of hoping that this is all for the greater good until, you know, and, you know, freaking, uh, Nailey is like, no, I, I, you know, Andy finds out that she's, her immortality is going away because she got injured in a fight and it's not healing, but she hasn't told anybody else yet. So she starts kind of feeling like, all right, I'm not going to be as hardcore about this. She's like, if you want to go see your family, you don't have to, you know, join us and sends her on her way. But, you know, and gives her the gun that Booker had given her before they go in. And as she, and she's like, yeah, when you get to wherever you're going, ditch the car, ditch the guns. And she goes to clear the gun and sees that it's empty. She's like, wait a minute, Booker checked this and it's empty. This is some kind of setup. So she tries to go back and rescue them, but it's too late. They've already gotten jumped by, by the Merce, Mercs at uh, Copley's house. And, you know, Booker shoots her, and then now he finds out she's not healing. And at that point, you know, you know Copley's like, leave her be. She's injured. She's not no used to you. Merce's like, he's like, no, I'm, you know, I, I need to find out how her, like, she's still going to be a guinea pig. And he's like, but she's probably not going to survive your testing. He's like, I don't care. And that's when he finally is like, oh, I've, made a deal with the devil and these people aren't the saviors of humanity that I thought they would be. Well, I mean, at this, maybe they are, but at what price? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the shitty thing about human nature is do you go through and torture something one time to save something a hundred times? Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of crazy that, you know, us as humans, we don't value life as just that. It's, oh, well, if I can take this life, but I can save ten more, like, you've taken a life. Like, at that point, like, you've already done, you know, sort of the devil's bidding. Um, and it's at this point we get the reveal that the person who's been giving them the information is actually Booker. Booker's the traitor. Because, you know, as he told... You know, Nile earlier that that you know, your family's gonna you know going to hate you for not being able to save them, and he's gotten to that point where he's he's doing it because he's like I want to die. If they can figure out how to take our immortality to help others, so he's just battling maybe his they can, survivor's guilt. Yeah, he's like maybe they can turn it off because I don't want to live anymore. And you know, and and even in at that point too, where he sees like you know. Andy's no longer healing and these guys are not the good guys that he thought they were. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I wanted to kill myself and I've basically taken all y'all with me. And now we're about to be Guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, but then Niley shows up and runs into Booker or not Booker, uh, Copley. And he shows her like all his data of like, I've been, I've, kind of found their story as far back as I can search at least the last couple hundred years and everyone they save a couple generations later their descendants do something 
great for humanity. And he's like, I you know, didn't realize it. So, you know, to them being in the moment, they see a small thing as I save this person. They don't see the, the, the far reaching snowball effect, effect that of... they've been, yeah, that they've been causing. And it's like, like, hey, you stopped a nuclear war from escalating by doing yeah. this thing. You, this person invented a fucking polio vaccine. You know, his this guy's grandson invented a polio vaccine, or you know, this person's, you know, great great grandson was Martin Luther King. You know, it's like, it's like I said, they can't see the good they're doing because it's such a long-reaching effect. So while they're like, oh, the stuff we're doing doesn't really have an effect anymore, you know, they actually have been having an effect and they just haven't realized it. And she's like, well, I got to go save them because they're far more important than even they know. And you get the badass, you know, freaking skyscraper shootout, uh, <laughs> the escape from, uh, <laughs> escape from, uh, the Mercer criminal chemicals. <laughs> and I like, other thing too about like the the filmmaking of this is if you watch how they fight it's not like one particular fighting style and i read that like the fight choreographer is like yeah these people are several thousand years old so they taught them you know a little bit of this a little bit of that a little bit of this so it's like it looks like they've been around a long time to pick up a lot of different skills. Cause there's something I'm like, well, I mean, like, like that kind of looks, I, I recognize that, but that's a little like, a little bit like Hapkido. And then that's freaking, you know, Filipino stick fighting. It's like, it was like this whole hodgepodge of martial arts. Cause these people have been around long enough to learn a lot. Well, of different I mean, martial you've, arts. you know, been around since the time of, you know, knights and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of the medieval style, but then, like, you see that with a modern flair, and it's like, you know, these people that are, you know, trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're trained for the modern version. Like, let, let me let me show you some shit, give you a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, and the way they, like, just seamlessly integrate that, where they're, like, fighting with a sword in one hand and a gun in the other, and just making it all kind of work together, it's, it's, it's the attention to detail that, you know... I appreciate that they, they, they thought of that to like, Oh, let's give them several different martial arts styles or gunfighting styles to like kind of show how old these warriors actually are. That, you know, it's something that they could have quite easily was like, all right, we're going to do the yeah, same. We're going to give them all, you know, guns, uh, throw a couple punches, a couple of kicks, call it done, you know, but I was, I was really, you know, pleased to see that things went back to their roots and, you know, you had a lot of good hand-to-hand. -hand. You had a lot of cool, you know, uses of, you know, the swords and the axes and just all-around badassery. And I like when, you know, after they escape and you know, they find out she's no longer immortal, she's like, oh, no, I'm still going to lead the charge. Like, yeah, she's like, they're like, for God's sake, just put, put on some armor at least. And she's like, no, I'm going through first of the door because I always do it. If I don't make it next time, you get to go through the door first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm still the leader, whether I got superpowers anymore or not. And then they're like, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, Joseph is like, it's like, uh, I forgot what country. So they're like, they're, they're, they're hiding up in the penthouse. What do we do? He's like, I'm thinking uh, like, uh, Brazil 73. He's like, Oh no, I'm, I'm thinking more Morocco 35. And she's like, what happened in 1935? He's like, no, no, 1835. And you'll see. <laughs> it's like, I like that they have that shorthand. Like we've been through so much. It's like, 
hey, let's do that thing we did a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's like it's just like 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 eh, this is just like uh, Beirut like, sixty nine. <laughs> like old times, friends. <laughs> yeah. Like from that regard, it would be kind of interesting to be like, you know, hey, all you modernly trained people that you know probably don't know all there is to know about some of the great battles of history. Let me give you a first-hand education. Like, <laughs> hey, they're not going to expect a tactic from, you know, 1736. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I like that, too. They're, uh, they're, um, <laughs> yeah, they're all, you know, geed up on the door, and, like, all the mercenary guys are, like, you know, guns pointed at the door waiting for him to bust in, and then, like, you know, Joe and Nicky come swinging through the freaking windows, like, you know, freaking Pirates of the Caribbean. And as soon as they turn straight around up to, Tarzan yeah, shit. They turn around to fight them and then the door blows and they come running in the door and it's like it's like the they you know, when you've had thousands of years to learn to fight together, it's like it's the smoothest and then when Joe gets a hold of the the one head mercenary guy who had like shot uh, Nikki in the face earlier, he's like, You shot Nikki. You should not have shot Nikki and then freaking just throws him and like drops him on his head and snaps his neck. <laughs> He's like, I'm a vengeful. You shot my man, motherfucker. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> no, I thought that was that was a pretty epic, you know, um, little little revenge. That that was one of the more memorable kills. And like previously that when when Joe and Nikki first gets kidnapped and Booker's laying there all blown up and uh, and uh, she's like, take care of him. And wait for my signal. And then leave. And, and everybody's like, what's the signal? Oh, you'll know the signal when you see the signal. Well, there's gunfire. Is that the signal? No. no. You'll you'll know when it's time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a wall exploded. Oh, okay. I get it now. That's the signal. <laughs> and they walk in there, and like everybody's dead. And she's like, she do all this by herself? And he's like, oh, yeah. Andy's forgotten more about fighting than most soldiers will ever learn. <laughs> I mean, she just goes in there and, like, fucks everybody up. But I, I kind of like, you know, after that, how Niles has that moment of conflict, and it's like, you just killed a room full of people. How can you say that you're out to do good? You know? I I, I, I like the fact that they kept her skeptical, where she didn't, ju- it wasn't just like, oh, I, I'm going to eat this up hook, line, and sinker, and... Yeah, she doesn't want to become the Punisher. That's like, I love that meme where a Batman is like, if I kill somebody, the number of killers in the world stay the same. And the Punisher's like, that's why I kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta kill more than one to make that balance, man. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, then they get, you know, <laughs> the the elevator dings. Like, oh, Mercer's making a run for it. We'll, we'll try to beat him, take the stairs, beat him down. He's still hiding there with... Andy's cool looking TIE fighter battle axe. <laughs> and, Dude, uh, I want one of those axes. This axe is pretty badass. And then uh, Andy looks at, uh, you know, he's like, I bet he doesn't speak Russian. And she like points the gun at her real quick. So he takes the gun off of Andy and shoots uh, that. And she gets the axe and like jams him in the neck, but he's still not dead. And so when he goes to shoot her, freaking uh, <laughs> Niley just grabs him and jumps out the window. And then she's like, oh shit, <laughs> this is going to hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, it's like, I'm going to survive this, but I'm going to feel the pain of that impact if only oh, yeah. for that, you know, brief moment. And when you and, see her in the car, she's like freaking all twisted up, like, oh, that's got to freaking hurt. And then Joe and Nikki Booker all run out like, 
faster than the elevator. <laughs> to them, it's just like, yeah, this is it's another day on the job. <laughs> I mean, you did you you were skeptical about you know living through the paint plane crash. I guess at that point, like you had seen enough, and it's like, ah, you know what? But then again, I would say with her character development and everything, and what she's learned. If she didn't have the immortal power, I still think she would have taken the jump. Yeah, because uh, yeah, at that point she was like, "Cause I, you know, I mean, she, at that point she's the only one that had seen the wall and knew how important they were. So she's like, if I don't survive this, at least Andy survives it. Cause she, you know, deserves it for all the good she's done. And at the end, you know, she, um, I, li- I like the fact that they go to kind of discuss Booker's punishment at the oldest bar in like England. It's like, you know, there's like something like the oldest bar. Like they probably drank there when it was new. It's like, Hey guys, let's go to that bar. We, we drunk at back in like 1753. <laughs> See if they still have my favorite drink. <laughs> um, and the whole punishment too. She's like, all right, they discussed it. And, uh, we're going to give you a hundred years. Like you, we, 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 you can't be a part of the team for a hundred years. And he's like, well, it's less, it's more than I hoped it. But less than I thought you'd give me. And she's like, "Hey, if it's any comfort, the new girl wanted just to give you get you off with a warning." <laughs> yeah. But like, eh. there's an interesting caveat that we haven't covered yet. And you know, in order to cover that, we got to rewind and go back in time, yeah. because Andy apparently had a female partner who was also a mortal who ended up captured, and you know they. I guess determined that hey, we can't kill this person, so lock him in a cage and throw him in the sea. Yeah, because like you know, early on she's like we we fight really hard not to be captured because there are fates worse than death. You know, even though we can't die, there's still something that's far worse than death. And and uh, Neely has a nightmare of uh, was it Queen On or whatever her uh, the other girl's name was, yep. but she was one of the earlier immortals and. Yeah, they they were apparently saving people during some kind of medieval time, and they thought they were freaking witches, and they couldn't kill them. So they're like, you know, the old witch test, like, oh, we're going to hang you, and if you survive, you're a witch. And they're like, well, they must be witches, because we, we've, we've hung them, we've impaled them, they're not dying. And they're like, oh, they're probably going to burn us at the stake next, so I bet that's going to hurt like a motherfucker. And they open the door, and it's like the Iron Maiden, and they, you know, they're like, oh, y'all are too dangerous to be together, we're going to separate you. And they just dump her somewhere in the ocean, and she's like, I spent... You know, like 500 years trying you know. to find her and I can, you know, and I can't cause that's gotta be like, you're at the bottom of the sea and you're immortal. So you're just drowning over and over and over again. I mean, and that's, that's kind of the, the thing too horrific. is, you know, everybody that's got that immortal ability, like they kind of share the same, it's almost like a hive mind in a yeah. way where they can kind of feel and see and piece things together. So, you know, they, they all kind of experience that death over and over again as a recurring nightmare. Um, and but they can't find her because they have no idea where she got... <laughs> the ocean's a big place. But apparently somehow she found her way out. Well, you got to think, an Iron Maiden... It's going to rust. Yeah, it's how long would it take it to, to rust en- enough to, to break free? You know, a couple thousand, a couple hundred years, something like that. But then again, like if you're in that depth of water... Would you not drown before you resurfaced again? Which, I mean, I guess... Again, if you're swimming up, you drowned, you're like, well, you just float, eventually you're going to make it to the top. Well, no, because you'd, <laughs> you'd be... Take... You, 
You start out to sink of oxygen. Again. So I think you would sink again. Well, maybe just like you make it just a little further each time. You don't sink all the way to the bottom every time. Or you maybe die. maybe the current, you know, pushes you. You wash and up on a beach. Somewhere. You wash up on a beach somewhere. That's, yeah. And maybe that's bad. why they could never find her in the ocean. She was floating around, but yeah, you got to think being locked away like that, being basically tortured for eternity, probably going to make you a little crazy. And you know, the, the teaser post credits, you see like, was it six months later? Something like that. Booker's kind of having a hard time with his, uh, banishment and is like walking around drunk and comes stumbling home. And there's Keenan in his living room, like drinking a glass of water. Like, ah, nice to finally meet you, Mr. Booker. And it's like, I, I'm, and what is the irony? You spend all that time in water, yet you're having a sip of water. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd be like, nah, I'm just going to be dehydrated a lot because I don't want to have anything to do with water. I'm thinking, going I'm going to the fucking desert. I'm thinking you're sucking salt water for a thousand years. It's like, ah, nice, fresh, like, filtered Brita water. This is, finally I get to drink something that's not salty. <laughs> so that's probably going to be our big bad next next movie. We're going to have the... Good Immortals versus the the Bad Immortals. Because she's probably pissed off that she never got found and is batshit crazy at this point. Or, you know, is it just that, oh, it was all a big misunderstanding, they come together and they all... I mean, that would not make for as cool of a (laughs) storyline. And, you know, Booker's kind of redemption because... Or not Booker, uh, Copley's. Because, you know, once... I, I think once Copley figured out that he fucked up, like, you know, I, I think it help. was awesome that, you know, he was willing to, you know, work with Niles, and Niles was like, no, save all of this stuff. Yeah, like, like you're the only one that's, you know, like, yeah. You're, you're about to be I our new Alfred. I can make it Alfred. out of this. You know, you, you can't. But, yeah, she takes the team back to his house afterward, and he shows him that, she, look, y'all couldn't see it. This is the good y'all did. And she finally like, all right, your punishment you know, nowadays there's so much technology, it's very hard to stay invisible. So you're going to scour the internet, and if we leave a footprint anywhere, you're going to wipe it away. And you're also going to find the jobs that are geared to our special abilities, and you're going to kind of be our our agent. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and, and Joseph's like, she wasn't asking. It's like, this is, this is what you're going to do now. But here's my question, because like I said, we knew she lost the immortality and it was almost like she lost it because she had given up on humanity at that point she was like i don't want to do this anymore now that she's kind of had a kind of renewed and she thinks what they're doing is good now do you think she's regained her immortality now that she's kind of gotten a a renewed lust for the uh the mission i'm not sure i i and i my takeaway because they never really explain it. And she, even well, Booker's like, 100 years, she's like, I'm going to miss you. And she's he's like, I'm never going to see you again. And she's like, I have a little faith, Booker. Um, so it's, it's kind of it's ambiguous that may or maybe not she's she finds a way to I I'm, I'm not sure that she does. And for me, my takeaway, and maybe I you know was trying to look for depth or for you know a sense of closure in that regard, was... She was always viewed as the leader, right? You know, hey, I'm, I'm going to take point. I'm going in first. At the same time, I think it was more so her passing the baton 
for Niles to kind of take point. And I think she needed to see in humanity the redeeming qualities and everything in order to be able to pass that torch. Because I, I, I think she ages out at some point. Yeah, now, she, does that mean she ever stops doing the missions? No. No, nah, she's probably going to keep going until but, until somebody takes her down or she just gets too old for it. <laughs> if she doesn't regain her. She's definitely like, you know. But then again, you know, I mean. From I what she was saying to Copley, had no intention of not going on the missions anymore. She wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm going to retire now that I'm not immortal. She was like, nope, find us jobs and keep us safe. Well, I mean, you know, she made that point when. Obviously, you know, uh, she came back, so she still gets to take point. You know, it's not quite Niles' turn yet. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to keep going through the door. If I don't make it back, you can get to go through the next door. So, yeah, she's she's going to keep keep at it. So, uh, what do you think of this here, Anarchy? Uh, the Anarchy is pretty good. Um, you it's know, got some I, good strength to it. I it's... mean, as I anticipated, like, it, it, it kind of builds um, as the cigar progresses. Um Sort of, um, I haven't, you know, it hasn't tapered off yet. I mean, which then again, we're only in the middle of the cigar. Um, I, I gotta say it is a long burning cigar. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's not a big green gauge, like a seven by 40 something, but it's, yeah, it's a slow burn. Like I said, we're almost an hour I mean, in and we're only about halfway through it. Then again, to kind of take into account that. As we're talking, we're not constantly smoking, or at least I'm not. You always finish your cigar before I do because I get on a tangent or a tear and... I can multitask. Or I just let you go on a tear and I smoke while you're running or you're ranting. It's like, keep talking. Puff, puff, puff. Yeah. I get time to smoke. The, the, the more you talk, the more I puff. So, um, but... I gotta say, with Tatawahe, all of the cigars that I've smoked from them have been wonderful, and this is no exception. Yeah, even some of the stuff that, you know, at least appear to be a lighter cigar always has a good amount of strength and complexity to it. Like, so they they, they have a few, uh, I guess, like, continuous run cigars, but they, they've kind of made a name in these limited small batch runs and everyone I've gotten a hold of is like, all right, yeah, I can see why this is kind of a, a special edition. Uh, and you know, we're getting around that time where usually like the, like I said, the, the limited edition Halloween stuff that only comes out, you know, once a year, which, uh, you know, I'm not heard any news and what, what if anything's coming out this year, dude, we never get any news on it until it actually arrives. But usually around this time, <laughs> they'll, they'll also release like the, like the Skinny Monsters box, where they'll do a box set of each of the old cigars and like a a special size that wasn't previously released. So if you haven't got a chance to get some of the older stuff, when that box comes out, if you want to try some of the stuff that's no longer available, it's usually the the best time to do it. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to do some closing thoughts probably uh, toward the end of news or something because yeah, I still got quite a bit of cigar left, um, which I was not expecting. You know, it's kind of interesting to me how, like you said, it's, it's not a 660 or anything. Um, so definitely, um, you know, this adds some skill, or not really skill, but adds more value to the cigar. Yeah. It's not, you know, this isn't an uber expensive cigar by no means, but it's definitely not 
the cheapest we'd smoked either. That's about. I a, mean, in, you know, I'd, about thirteen ish, thirteen uh, and a half dollars or so. I mean, that's. Uh, I expect a premium quality from a premium price at that point, and so far I'm I'm feeling like I'm getting my money's worth. And there's definitely like bigger cigars that we would have been done with by, or at least I would have been done with by now. Where this one's still, like I said, I'm only about halfway through. It's a a nice slow burning smoke, so it's. It's, you don't feel like since it's a skinny cigar, it's going to be a quick stick. Uh, it's it's got some got some staying power with it, and you know, like a like an immortal Andy. <laughs> Whoa, are we smoking the immortal cigar? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. drop some knowledge all right get on it so we're going back to mars the new you know mars rover launched friday and are we going to rip way. and tear <laughs> yeah uh we're gonna go look for doom demons on mars yes the new uh well two new rovers are well one of them's not really a rover but we'll get to that in a second perseverance and ingenuity Launched Friday from Cape Canaveral on a Atlas rocket heading to the Red Planet. So they're, yeah, we've talked about Mars rovers in the past, and this is like the the latest generation, the most advanced one we've sent so far. This is the fifth rover to visit Mars, and um, set to land probably in late February of next year to start its mission. And what is its mission? This one has, uh, like I said, a lot more cameras than anything we've we've sent before. More advanced cameras, so we're going to get a whole lot more, you know, better visuals uh, from Mars. And it's going to be sent to primarily a a location where there is evidence that there was a lake once before and signs of running water at a time. So it's got a lot more tools that are going to be able to look for water and also look for evidence of organic material like you know not maybe not current life on mars but look for the evidence that maybe there was life on mars at some point so it's it's you know set to do a whole bunch of new geology and biology experiments that we previous versions have not been able to do and also 
this is the first, speaking of podcasts, this is going to be the first Martian rover equipped with microphones. So for the first time, we're going to be able to hear what it sounds like on Mars. That's interesting, because I remember when they did the recording of space, and space sounds kind of weird. Yeah, we turn, fucking, they turn on the microphones for the first time, and you hear, like, fucking Martian music. We're like, motherfucker, they've been there the whole time. They've just been hiding in the back, like, oh, these fuckers can't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> Little Martian the Marvin. <laughs> They're playing some, like, Martian metal. That just sounds like doom. Yeah, it's like, that, does that sound like a cyber demon to you guys? <laughs> So yes, we're going to get our first... Uh, Cyber demons and hellhounds inbound. <laughs> we're going to be able to listen to Mars for the first time ever. And another thing, uh, his its little partner that's going along with it, uh, Ingenuity, is basically a small helicopter. Uh, because to this point, you know, we've only sent rovers who wheeled or tracked vehicles that roam around Mars. But we actually don't know if... Aerial flight is capable in the atmosphere of Mars. It's not something we've ever experimented with. So they're sending a robotic helicopter to basically see if we can fly on Mars. So we can send, you know, aerial rovers or drones next next time around. So it's going Boy, to... Boy, that just sounds like we're setting ourselves up for a boss battle. <laughs> so yeah, you know, while it's not, you know, made to specifically do any testing, it's basically just there to see if it can fly. And, you know, it's going to, you know fly for short periods of time and just, you know, see if it's what the thinner Martian at atmosphere, how that affects aerial travel. Cause right now, you know, the, the rovers were sent there. They're kind of limited on the range as far as they can drive, where if we can send something that is capable of flight, we can cover more distance in a shorter amount of time and get into areas that are maybe too yeah, terrain, that... too rough for a wheeled or tracked rover to get to. Wouldn't that kind of suck? Be like, Hey, we're here on Mars. We can't get off. <laughs> yeah. Houston, we don't have liftoff. Uh, and that's another thing, too, they're go they want to experiment with is possibly a way to retrieve some stuff from Mars. Because so far, you know, all the things we've sent there have been one-way tickets. Where So it's not like the moon where we have soil samples that astronauts have brought in back. So they're, it's another thing kind of for future missions that they are wanting to experiment with, would it be possible to launch something from Mars to send samples back at some point in the future that we can, you know, actually get some, some Mars here on Earth? You know, when they discover that Hellgate and they can transport it directly, uh, <laughs> we can go from there. We just got to be on the lookout for UAC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it looks like a Hellgate, don't open it. So, speaking of other robots, uh, we now have... Robot chemists. Uh, they're trying to develop uh, a robot scientist that can complete experiments a thousand times quicker than humans. You know, especially with, uh, say, chemistry. Uh, univer you know, a paper published in Nature uh, from the University of Liverpool. The team designed a robot that is capable of rapidly performing chemistry experiments up to a thousand times faster than its human cat counterparts. And their kind of strategy is to, instead of automating the instruments they want to automate the researcher especially some of the kind of more repetitive experiments they can turn that over to you know robot scientists to do while the actual scientists have more time to think and innovate and create stuff if their hands aren't tied up working the actual mechanics of science <laughs> it frees them up enough to do 
more cutting edge stuff and they're not having to do, you know, experiments over and over again and, and, you know, spend a lot of time on the minutia of discovery instead of actually thinking and coming up with, you know, new shit to do. Yeah, for new shit. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like a kind of a robot that uh, can move around uh, with a with a wheel, and it's basically like those robotic arms you see working in in factories. And you know, the the, the kind of the test bot they've built uh, using a single robotic arm. The robot worked for over eight days straight and completed six hundred and eighty eight experiments with a very low error rate. How many errors does it take in chemistry, though? You can only blow up the lab once. <laughs> and it's like, shit, we've had a meltdown. <laughs> well, especially like something, you know, with like, like now where we have all the, the COVID bullshit going on. If you got something that can perform tests at a quicker rate than a doctor could, you know, you can just like push through testing a lot quicker than having one guy having to, <laughs> go mix the, the chemicals F- and check the results. But are the robots FDA approved? Not yet, but then again... Because like- that's going to be the thing that really holds up a vaccine. <laughs> Hell, we probably have a vaccine. It's just pending approval. But due to COVID, there's nobody to approve it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that's the state of the world today. And it, apparently, you know, the robot can autonomously choose which experiments to perform out of a possible 98 million different options, and the robot's already made a huge discovery, a photocatalyst six times more sensitive than those currently available. So, I mean, apparently the RoboDoctor is already making scientific impact. Yay for RoboDoctor. And now we go from little robots to really big robots. This thing looks straight up like a Transformer. (laughs) Yes, you know... I'm really disappointed they didn't paint it to be Optimus Prime. <laughs> uh, no, but to be even nerdier, they uh, they made it look like a giant Gundam robot from Gundam Wing. So yes, Japan, uh, always doing weird shit. They are currently in the process of trying to set like a world record for largest robot, and they are currently building a six-foot You mean robot 60 Gundam. foot. I mean 60 foot, yes, yeah, <laughs> 60 foot. That's not a very big robot. <laughs> At the Gundam, uh, <laughs> a freaking uh, Gundam factory Yokohama in Japan, yeah, they've got this just giant like f- scaffolding with this that's in like the kind of the bay shipping area where they've been building this sixty foot robot that they hope uh, possibly to have fully operational by sometime in October. But they uh, released a test video of it, kind of taking its first steps today. Uh, so far, it was kind of like you know, it's like kind of like the early test footage we've seen at some of the 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 Boston Dynamics robots, where it's it's being held up. So it's just kind of like testing the maneuverability of the legs. But they say once it's fully complete, it will be able to walk under its own weight without any kind of assistance. You know, I was just thinking this needs to be the future of wars. Like, which nation could build the biggest, baddest robot within a designated time? You let the robot stuke it out. You have no actual casualty, and then you can decide on your treaties and stuff of that nature. Yeah, man, I want mech suits. I like, want like to roll around like live action rock'em sock'em robots. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, like I said, I just want, I just want to ride around my Pacific, my uh, 
a Pacific Rim robot. Like, when do we get the mech suits, man? <laughs> Every freaking Japanese anime I've seen involves mech suits. And so far, no mechs. I want a yeah, mech Yeah, but suit. then again, like, we were supposed to have flying cars and all this other shit by now, and... So far, Hollywood hasn't got us there yet. <sighs> Motherfuckers. And are you a fan of serial killers? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I do appreciate to take a um, a dab in the um, the dark and twisted. So, um, yeah. well, uh, a new uh, technology mixing technology with criminal investigation. Uh, two researchers, uh, Brendan Chapman and uh, Daryl Hatley, I believe. Are we sure they're not serial killers? They may be. They basically, and he said he was inspired by watching a uh, documentary on Ted Bundy that, uh, uh, David Keatley is the other guy, that basically that they kind of noticed a certain similarity in the people he chose to kill. And they and said it's kind of like even non-psychopaths, if you look at a dating history of people, you know, we tend to have a type. And so what they're wanting to do is use facial recognition software to try to link basically unsolved crimes to known serial killers. Cause you know, serial killer, you catch them, you admit to like, Oh, I, that you can, you got the evidence to nail them on 10 people, but there is like probably literally hundreds, if not thousands of unsolved murders out there that they, we have no clue on, you know, especially if you watched unsolved mysteries on Netflix, there's plenty of stuff like that, that, that we don't, uh, that we can't, uh, um, solve. So they want to use, uh, you know, kind of in the early stages of this is taking facial recognition software. And if we can kind of develop a, an algorithm saying, all right, this serial killer picked these people that had this av- same average, uh, hair color, eye color, body yeah, type. Yeah. they like, and kind of build a profile. Then you can run that profile through photos of unsolved crimes and be like, all right, these other five victims here that we don't have a, a solve for fit the profile of X serial killer and, and kind of give investigators a new direction to possibly, un, possibly, you know, tie these people unsolved murders to, to known people we have already captured or, you know, at least, you know, working on capturing. I mean, I thought they had already, you know, profiled Bundy's types and everything for the most part. Yeah, but this is kind of adding, like this is this is the invasion <laughs> yeah. of privacy aspect <laughs> yeah. of, hey, let's all put our names and faces in a database that isn't Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or any of the other millions of places you could, uh, you know, have your privacy invaded willingly. Um, or what if it goes like the other direction instead of taking already committed crimes and trying to connect them to a known serial killer? What if it's like, all right. People with serial- red hair and green eyes look the fuck out. Yeah, pretty much. Like <laughs> you get like the the uh, gnarly warning detection. Yeah, you get the, like the Levi's call or whatever on your phones that hey, someone's missing. What if it put like hey, we've had five murders that they all fit this physical description, so we have determined that you also fall into that category. So you're going to get a text saying hey, if you're in the Chicago area, there might be a serial killer out there. You should take extra caution. (laughs) But then again, if there was an alert system like that, and you are a serial killer, do you not just change it up? (laughs) Like It's like, fuck, I gotta find a new victim. The the word's out. (laughs) 
I, 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 that would, that would be the only kind of downside to trying to do a prevention system like that. Would be or a fucking serial killer hacks it and be like, oh yeah, I can, the government's already found. Uh, <laughs> gave me a hit list. <laughs> it's like anybody, like he's walking around like, hey, oh, that person's getting alert. That per, yeah, I can. <laughs> I mean, you just go state to state. You or know, hell, just to- go on Facebook because you know how people, how people share everything on social media. Be like, oh my god, I just got this alert that I may be a. a a, a serial killer uh, potential victim. You're like, fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> oh shit, that Tim Kennedy's wife. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, wrong house, dude. Wrong house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> abort mission. Abort mission. Oh yeah. So that's about all I got to you in the tales of weird science this week. We'll be right back. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcast like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. And now it's time for all things nerdy in nerd news. And welcome to nerd news. Yeah, news. All right. So uh, up first, we learned about the passing of Wilford Brimley on August the first. Yeah. Prolific actor. Um, I mean, even growing up, watching the who was it? Was it Liberty Medical? Or yeah, it's like yeah, it's like in later life. That's all you know is those those freaking diabetes, diabetes. Uh, and I, and I, it's really hard to say Wilford Brimley and actually diabetes. You know, I just want to say diabetes. Yeah, it's like there's even like that meme of like a cat that looks like it has a big mustache, and it's like the cat just said diabetes. <laughs> I mean, I've literally gone on YouTube and have played ten-hour clips of. Diabetes remixes from Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah, he's only he had an amazing voice. Like you know, he, he even the stuff where he was like you know, kind of narrating stuff, kind of like us. But yeah, like you know, a long TV and movie career. Like you never think of young Wilford Brimley because everyone knows him from 1985's Cocoon. Pretty much was like the most probably the most famous role. But I mean, the guy started started acting in the 60s as a stuntman. And unless it just, if you needed a, a cool old dude and you couldn't get uh, uh, freaking, what's his name, uh, Sam Elliott, <laughs> you had Wilford Brimley. I mean, he was, we talked about the thing in one of our, uh, in one of our episodes, like, and it says a guy that's been around forever and showed up in just damn near anything, even like random action movies that needed a grandpa. I mean, he was in, uh, freaking hard target was Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's just like the dude was kind of did like every genre of movie or TV show. All right. You, you mentioned Sam Elliott, epic mustaches, Sam Elliott or Wilford Brimley, because both guys pretty well known for having a fabulous stash. Hmm. I got to give it to Brimley because I've seen Sam Elliott without a mustache. I don't think I've ever seen Brimley without a stash. I mean, he was committed to it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to do a, a quick search here just to... <laughs> I, 
I don't know if I would recognize. I, I can't picture him. If without he's been a, in a must in a movie without a mustache, it's probably like I didn't even know he was in that movie because it's like the mustache is almost its own character. Holy crap! Is it as scary as we imagine? Oh, I don't even know what this is from. Hold on, give me a moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm having to do some research on the spot. <laughs> oh. Yeah, friggin' Wilford Brimley, uh, friggin', uh, <laughs> the road home. So apparently in the thing, he did not have the stash. Oh, fuck, like, that's that's how epic his stash is. I didn't even remember he didn't have a stash in the thing. You'd think you would need one. They were in Antarctica, man. You gotta keep your your upper lip warm. So, I don't know, I mean, holy crap, I'm just, I'm scrolling through and, like the flashbacks of him eating uh, quick Quaker oats. Yes, the Quaker remember? oats guy. Yes. That's his other thing. If you don't know him from diabetes commercials, he's the Quaker oats man. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's like a, a part of our our childhood is is no longer with us. Uh, man, what a throwback! Raise a stogie, absolutely for, for Wilford Brimley. All right, moving right along here. Uh, I guess Bill and Ted has officially faced the music. They're not getting uh, released in theaters. Yeah, since like, because they're supposed to come COVID's out. COVID's played that sad, sad song. They keep pushing, keep pushing. They're supposed to come out in July, and now they finally just decided, fuck it, we're gonna. I think they're gonna do like, kind of a. I pro- they'll probably do like a Hollywood I, premiere, like you know, and at least have it in a couple theaters for a special event. But it's going to be available for download, streaming, whatever. September 1st now. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, is we don't necessarily know. I know that Universal and AMC have teamed up with the video on-demand service, which I think is like $20 a month, so... And there are some, I know on Prime, that some of the movies that, uh, like that, uh, that Trolls 2, basically you could rent it on Prime for $20, uh, since it, it was unable to be released in theaters, so it's, 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 kind of a, a, a premium pay-per-view it's not like three dollars like most of your your online rentals so if you want something that's going to be brand new released you know it's going to be roughly twenty dollars from what i'm seeing and as we kind of discussed earlier i mean to see something opening day instead of it going if it's not going to go to a netflix or prime i mean hell you probably spend more than twenty dollars if you went to see it in theaters i mean your ticket would be 15 bucks and you're gonna spend another hundred on popcorn so I mean, I, I don't mind spending $20 to see a brand new movie because, like I said, if if it did get a theatrical release, I would probably spend way more than that to go <laughs> to go see it, especially if you take a couple people with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those those drinks, those snacks, the, the add-ons they get you with. Um... They won't let me soak cigars in the theater, so, I mean, I, I'm totally down with seeing theatrical movies at home. Uh if if they're available, well, I'm glad you're starting to see the dark side because there for a while you were pretty. I just wanted to get out of the house. <laughs> I mean, I was. That's, Nothing that's another... stopped you from going into your yard. There's no COVID in your yard yet. That's another thing because uh, this kind of devolves into random discussion topic section anyway. Uh, drive-in theaters in a lot of places are still open if you can find them. There's not that many. I know some uh, people. There's some been some like concerts streaming to drive-in theaters and also i know burt kreischer went on a comedy tour during the summer where he set up 
stages at drive-in theater places and people got to, you know, they broadcasted on the screen and he was on stage. So people got to do comedy shows from a drive-in theater. We have one here in Georgia, kind of close to probably, I don't know, 30 minutes an hour away from us up in Blue Ridge. And I was looking on their website and they're still operational on, I think Friday, Saturdays only, but since there's no new films coming out, they're playing old films like this last weekend. They were doing a, double feature of Ghostbusters and the Karate Kid. So if you want to check out some old stuff that you haven't seen in a while and you want to see it on a big screen, you just want to get out of the house, see if you've got a drive-in theater nearby. Make sure you clean out your car first before you go. <laughs> Nothing like going to the drive-in and not being able to lean your seats back because you got too much shit in the back seat. <laughs> I know from experience. You can always smuggle in your own snacks. Yes, you can. And you can even smoke a cigar in your car. Fuck yeah. I'm <laughs> driving. <laughs> and then you can go to the car wash afterwards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving right along. Uh, Sci-Fi is launching Metal Crush Monday to explore metal music and horror films. Two things that traditionally kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, there's so many horror movies with like good metal soundtracks. I mean, hell, you even got freaking Ice Nine Kills did a whole album about horror movies. <laughs> um, like, metal and horror is just those two genres that it's like peanut butter and jelly. They go together. This episode won't make it uh, for the August 3rd premiere. Um, however, August 10th, they will be discussing Resident Evil, the final chapter with Heidi Shepard from Butcher Babies, Ash Costello, New Year's Day, and... The Hoyne Weatherspoon from Seven Dust. So, Sweet. Uh, <laughs> you know, people may recognize Seven Dust uh, being native to Atlanta and all. Um, August 17th, we'll have Underworld Blood Wars with Scott Ian. People yeah. might know that guy from a little band named Anthrax. And he and did a great uh, YouTube series where he, like, talked to different horror special effects guys and, like, really dug into the, like, effects and makeup world. And that was, that was a, if you can, I mean, it's, I think it was on the Nerdist channel. It's probably still, I can't remember the name of it, but it's probably still on YouTube. Just, I, I mean, search Ian and freaking horror. You'll probably find it. But yeah, those, those, some those episodes that's were badass. Known for uh, his epic goatee. <laughs> yeah. He did a thing too on one of those episodes where he went to one of the makeup artists and they did him up like a really old man. And then he walked into Guitar Center and like that, at, like cobbling in with like a cane, looking like he's a really old dude. And this picks a guitar off the wall and just starts shredding. And everyone in there is like, holy shit, this old man is a god. <laughs> like nobody knew it was him. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, one of the episodes that I'm really going to be excited for that I know the girlfriend will have to make sure that I watch as well. Halloween will be discussed August 24th. Fourth with guest Corey Taylor from a little band named Slipknot. Fuck yeah. Jonathan Davis from a little band known as Corn and Maria Brink for another band in this moment. Um, wow. My concert has still been postponed for them since <laughs> March, so I have no idea when I'm going to get to see Maria in concert, but um, definitely here looking talk forward about to Halloween. it. <laughs> yes. Um, Moving right along, Ubisoft is developing a Splinter Cell anime series for Netflix. Fuck yeah, I mean... Those... Which sounds cool in itself, because yeah. I was always a big fan of the Splinter Cell games. Um, but they're doing it in conjunction with uh, Derek Kolstad. People might know him 
from a little known film John Wick series. Nice. Yeah, some of those like anime stuff that's been on Netflix is pretty badass. I mean, the we talked about the Castlevania series was freaking awesome, and the new Transformers just started, and what I've seen of it so far has been pretty awesome. So, yeah, the and yeah, they did a new season of Ghost in the Shell that we that I, I talked about. The if you want new anime, friggin' Netflix is the place to go right now. Some of that original shit they're doing is pretty badass. Well, from I mean, what I've I was always so a big fan of the games. You know, Sam Fisher, iconic. You know, I mean. That was probably one of the greatest stealth game franchises. Yes, awesome and frustrating. <laughs> yes. Because I am not a stealthy person. Not to be confused with Siphon Filter, which was another pretty cool series that... Where yeah. are they now? Kind of like uh, playing Hitman. I try to get that silent assassin and I fail and just have to pull out the belt-fed gun and kill everybody. Yeah. So, um, you know, the original game actually had six sequels and novels, so... A lot of content. Um, it'd be kind of cool to dive into a animated Sam Fisher world. And as we do a podcast, we have to promote other podcasters. This guy doesn't need any promotion. Just his name as a promotion in itself. But Kevin Smith is developing the Green Hornet as an animated series. <laughs> yeah, for a while there, he was supposed to direct a movie and he decided it was too big for him to do uh but he did write uh several uh, i don't know his green arrow he did the the comics of and his green arrow run was good so the man knows comics so you know maybe uh, he pretty much turned that original script idea he had for the green hornet movie into uh an animated series so that should be uh pretty awesome yeah i mean and it looks like he's teamed up with the same producer who has done Peanuts and Inspector Gadget. Which... Yeah, because he's supposedly working on that, I don't know when it's going to schedule to come out, but he's been working on that He-Man uh, series that I believe they're using the same animator that did the Castlevania series on Netflix. So I'm expecting that to look pretty fucking cool when it finally comes out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm always... Anytime Kevin Smith puts his name on something, I just inevitably have to go and check it out. Um, any other tidbits, news, anything you want to share with the listeners at home? That is all I can think of now. Um, we do need to revisit this cigar before we go. Yes. What are your, uh, what are you thinking here on now that we're down to the, the nub? Uh, final thoughts. Wonderful cigar. Um, not the most budget friendly as we discussed, but I do feel like I got every bit of my money's worth out of it. Yeah, it's it's a, a damn good smoke. Um, it did, like to me, sort of felt like it was tapering off a little bit toward the end. So I mean, you you had to build up, and you know, a just, just I mean, a gradual get you up fade, and then just let yeah bring you I back mean, just to back to satisfying zero. smoothness. Uh, a good journey, a good story arc, if you will. Um. Obviously, with the Ecuadorian Habano, a uh, little hint of spice throughout the that smoke. Veiny Ecuadorian Habano. <laughs> Dark veiny. Uh, <laughs> it's important to, to get your references correct. I yep. mean, I don't know. But uh, I, absolutely, if you've got a shop or you know want to order offline, 
definitely recommend uh, the Anarchy Chaos 2020. Make sure it is the Chaos 2020, though, because there are several years' worth of yes, this Anarchy is floating around. Fourth rendition, so, yeah. Get that new-new. And with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Uh, get your energy drinks at strikeforceenergy.com promo code cigar nerds get your awesome smoking shirts at real men smoke cigars and they're also uh for you mask wearing people uh making like custom cigar related and nerdy uh masks they even got something that looked like a dude smoking a cigar so if you want to represent your you know cigar life uh with your mask you can get those at real men smoke cigars as well uh we're on facebook instagram and twitter at cigar nerd pod and as Joe says, good guys, bad guys, depends on the century. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.